Ladies and gentlemen, the huddle is a place where your leader galvanizes your squad to go out and get the task at hand accomplished. On this show, what is promised is the truth and personality that you will get from host Kenny C and the real Lil. So sit back, relax, and remember, what happens in the huddle stays in the huddle. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in tonight for a special episode of In the Huddle, a never-done-before episode of In the Huddle, and that is NFL Player Awards, but we call it the In the Huddle Awards, where we left it up to you guys, the fans and the listeners, to vote on the players and coaches that you thought were worthy of winning those awards, and we left it up to you guys, and we're here to break that down. But before we get to that, per usual... Actually, I shouldn't say per usual. I should say per the old days, the real Lil and Kenny C are taking over the show today to host the show. Our other two co-hosts unfortunately canceled pretty last minute. But hey, Lil, like I told you before the show, bro, we've been doing this since 2018, 2019. We started this damn thing off, and we're going we're gonna to start this show off with just you and I. How we doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I can't complain at all. This is a, a episode that is brand new. Um, we're going to give our awards, our In the Huddle Awards for the NFL season. A lot of talent this year that was displayed throughout the whole year. We got to give credit where credit is due. We're going to do that. And I hope, hopefully, the response that our audience gives is good, that we can make this an annual thing around this time. And we also got the Super Bowl on Sunday, bro. So, you know, I'm already oh, yeah. planning ahead for that day. I got to figure out how we, I'm going to be able to go about that day in the era of COVID. We all know we can't have parties and people, a lot of people over at the house. So I got to figure out the adjustments on how I'm going to enjoy watching Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes go at it on Sunday. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a hell of a battle, man. And uh, I'm just – I'm looking forward to kicking this thing off. So, Leo, will take it away with the first award, Comeback Player of the Year – the nominees for that were Alex Smith. In his eight games, he had a 66.7 completion percentage, 1,582 yards, six touchdowns, and eight interceptions. Next was, was Big Ben Roethlisberger, 15 games played, 65.6 completion percentage, 3,803 yards, 33 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Rob Gronkowski, 45 catches, 623 yards, seven touchdowns. Alden Smith, 16 games, five sacks, 31 solo tackles. And last but not least, Cam Newton, 15 games played, 65.8 completion percentage, 2,657 yards, eight touchdowns to 10 interceptions. Leo, we're going to give who we thought should win this award first before we announce the winner. Who you got? Comeback player of the year, Kenny C. Wow. I think that this is a no-brainer for me, honestly. Out of all the ones that we have here, Mm-hmm. You know, on the books, I say this is the easiest one. I got to go with Alex Smith, a guy went from almost losing his life. And I just saw the documentary the other day, that 30 for 30 on Alex mm-hmm. Smith with the surgery and the recovery after the surgery. And it, it looked really bad. That leg looked really bad. And to see him not only able to just get on a roster, but actually lead that team into victories and mm-hmm. you know we all know that that brother is a winner he may not be the talented cat that 
is like a Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady. But one thing for sure is that that brother is a proven winner and all he do is win no matter what, if you know the song that I'm referring to here. <laughs> so I got to go with Alex Smith. He's my comeback player of the year. Oh, yeah, man. Easy money. You summed it up perfectly. Guy that almost lost his life, nobody thought would see the football field again, ends up making it back to the field and, like you said, had an impact on the field and actually made an impact on his team and its success in making the playoffs and getting that playoff berth. Got to be Alex Smith. And our huddle fans decided that it was almost unanimous with an 80% vote. Alex Smith is, in fact, the comeback player of the year. Yes, sir. Shout out to Alex Smith. Well-deserved, my brother. Well-deserved. Yes, sir. All right, the next one that we have on our list as we move down the list here. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just getting started. We got so much more, so sit back in the door. Let's get it. The next one that we have right now on our list is... All right, we have Offensive Player of the Year. Offensive Rookie of the Year, right? Yes, sir. We got Offensive Rookie of the Year, and our nominees are Justin Jefferson and Justin Herbert. Can you mm-hmm. see? I want to know who you think is offensive rookie of the year, who should be offensive rookie of the year. Damn, man. This one is tough because both of these fellas balled out and respect given to both of them. But I'm going to have to go with my guy, Justin Herbert, uh, a guy that broke virtually every massive passing record that a rookie can have. Broke the touchdown record, broke the – um, passing yards record and the most completions record. And the reason why I'm giving this guy the award is because from the time he came in, in an emergency situation with Tyrod Taylor going down, he was told moments before playing one of the, if not the hardest, the hardest team to play in the league in the Kansas City Chiefs that, hey, fella, uh, I hope you're mentally prepared because you got to get in this game. And you got to start for us. And he almost led them to a damn victory. They were almost victorious in a hell of a game. And from there, the guy showed poise in the pocket, shows he has a hell of an arm, and shows he can make the throws that he needs to make. And he, while the team as a whole wasn't successful, he damn sure was successful. And that's, that's my guy for rookie of the year, offensive. I tell you one thing, man. Justin Herbert is my guy. I got to give Justin Herbert all the credit in the world for the spectacular season he had. And I can't wait to see him next year and how he fares in year two of his mm-hmm. um, sophomore year in the NFL. Obviously, they got a new coach, so we'll see how that helps him going forward. But yep. I got to go with Justin Jefferson here. I have to. Simply because nice. when I look at it, Justin Jefferson had lofty expectations because they traded away Stephon Diggs. And he was asked to do more right off the bat. And not only did he did what was asked to him, everybody was like, all right, Justin Jefferson, maybe he gives you some back. He'll give you some of that value back. Maybe not all, but some. He did more than that. He did more than what Diggs did for the Vikings last year. 1,432 yards. I mean, he broke records. That that No rookie has ever done that before. And mm-hmm. just – having to deal with that expectations and delivering. Now, Justin Herbert, on the other hand, we didn't know when we was going to see Justin Herbert. We didn't know if he was going to be a year away, if he was going to come through the middle of the year. But with with, um, Justin Jefferson, we knew he had to deliver. Those were big shoes to fill. 
that was those are big shoes to fill. And my brother oh, yeah. must have been Shaq because he was wearing a dag on size fourteen because he <laughs> filled them shoes correctly. And who was our winner, Leo? And our winner, Jumbo, please. It's Justin <laughs> Jefferson. <laughs> Justin Jefferson with forty eight percent of the votes. It there was a it close is. one. It was a close one. It was a close one right there. I could tell you that. It was a close one based on the votes. Nice. And for the next one, we'll, we'll run with the rookie trend here. Defensive Rookie of the Year. Our nominees for this award were Chase Young, 32 solo tackles, seven and a half sacks, four forced fumbles. Patrick Queen, 66 solo tackles, three sacks, two forced fumbles and an interception. Antoine Winfield Jr., 64 solo tackles, two forced fumbles, one interception, six passes defended. And lastly, Jeremy Chin, 68 solo tackles, Two forced fumbles, one interception, five passes defended. Who you got, Leo? Defensive rookie of the year. I got to go with my guy, Anton Benfield Jr. And let me shout out Chase Young. I honestly think he's going to win this award because yeah. he's the, the main name. He's the brand name that we all know for good reasoning. The brother's talented, had a hell of a year, and his character is just mind-boggling. His character, the brother's a good dude. You know, that, that's a guy that you would love to have in your locker room. So I just want to shout him out. But I'm going to go with my guy from Tampa Bay who will be playing in the Super Bowl tomorrow, Antoine Minfield Jr. I mean, he had the majority. He played since day one. And we all know when he was drafted, we all knew he was going to start. Now, it was all about fulfilling those expectations. And he did. You know, he played, I believe he played um, all 16 games. And he recorded an interception two forced fumbles, one fumble recovery, three sacks, 64 solo tackles, four quarterback hits. Bottom line, the brother is flying to the ball and making plays. So I have to give him credit for that as well. And one more stat here real quickly. Just four defensive rookies in the entire league had an overall grade above 60.8 for pro football focus. And Winfield and Chase Young, it makes two out of those four guys. But Chase Young only played 321 snaps. Antoine Winfield played more. So he's my defensive rookie of the year. Nice. That's a definitely a very fair nod to give. All, all four of these fellas had an outstanding rookie year on defense. And I'm going to have to give it to Chase Young, who, like you said, most likely is going to get it. Um, and the reason is, I mean, for your head coach, Ron Rivera, seasoned vet in this league, to give you a rookie captaincy on that defense, I mean, that's – that's a pretty prominent thing to have as a player and to show the maturity that Chase Young has and the leadership that Chase Young has as a damn rookie and then show great success on the field in leading his team on defense. They made him, he made them that defensive line, one of the most havoc wreaking defensive lines in football this season. And for that reason, I'm going to have to give it to that young man and the huddle, the huddle voters, they came out and said it was Chase Young, according to them, 78.49% said it was young from Ohio State. Yes, sir. Well expected. I, I, I definitely expected that. And congratulations to my brother out there, Chase Young, for a great, spectacular year. The next award that we have here on our list is Offensive Player of the Year. And we have a lot of nominees, including Derek Henry, Stephon Diggs, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, and Kenny C's boy, Devontae Adams. Yes, Can you see, talk to me, who should be the offensive player of the year? Oh, man, offensive player of the year. I mean, 
it's hard to pick because there's a lot of good names, but to me, to me at least, this has got to be a no-brainer, and that's King Henry, man. King Henry, if he's not winning MVP, which he probably won't because no running back has since APs in 2012, quarterback-dominated award, we all know that. Offensive player of the year, you got to give it to that young man, Henry. 16 games, 378 carries, rumble for 2,000-plus on the ground, 17 um, – 17 touchdowns, I believe he had. Or it could, it could have an error here on the stat sheet. There's always errors that could come up. But the stat that comes out to me, 126.7 was his average yards per game. This man was unstoppable from making grown men look like little boys. We all know. We all saw that play. Josh Norman getting stiff onto the damn turf like he was a rag doll. Henry was the heart and soul of this Titans team. And he's my guy. All them guys that Derrick Henry um, stiffed on and was a victim of Derrick Henry's big stiff arm <laughs> needs to be compensated with some money because they surely <laughs> looked embarrassed. They got to sue for – um. what's that word that I, I'm thinking of? Sue for – come on, it's not it's not clicking on my head. It, I'm it, trying it, to think. Come on. Sue for something. Um, Liability? Pain and suffering. Pain <laughs> and suffering. There you go. They need to sue for that because they made – Josh Norman and a lot of these guys look silly out there. Derrick oh, Henry yeah. is a beast. And I'm going to agree with you, Kenny. See, I think it is Derrick Henry. He's fresh over a 2,000-yard season, the eighth time in NFL history by running back. And since entering the league in 2016, Henry has complied, compiled, should I say, 4,994 yards after contact. In 2020, Henry had ones of 40-plus yards had four runs of 40-plus yards and led the league in 20-plus yards per, per run with 16 of that. And he also had the highlights, you know, that could have made his case for MVP. You know, the, the, the Wisher Heisman MVP type of highlight. We all know that highlight that he had against the Texans, that overtime run that was like 97 yards, oh, yeah. 98 yards, and he had that another run like that as well against the Ravens. So he's just a bulldozer. And the fact that he carried on from the year that he had previous, when he had that five-game stretch to end that year and to bring it into this year and build on to that is very impressive. I like Derrick Henry for this category. And topped it, too, with that with the 2,000-plus yards. Phenomenal season, and our huddle voters are right on board with us. 68.75% picked Derrick Henry as the Offensive Player of the Year. Our next... Our next category here is Defensive Player of the Year. And the nominees for that are Aaron Donald, 16 games, four forced fumbles, 13 and a half sacks. TJ Watt, 15 games, two forced fumbles, uh, 15 sacks. Miles Garrett, 14 games, four forced fumbles, 12 sacks. And lastly, Xavier Howard, 16 games, 10 interceptions, 20 passes defended, 40 solo tackles. Who you got, Leo? Wow, this is a tough one. This is a tough one right here, but I'm going to go with T.J. Watt. I'm going to go with T.J. Watt because, you know, I know the Steelers season didn't end great at all. Um, the media outlets and the media, social media, should I mm-hmm. say, not the media outlets, the social media is having a great time clowning the Steelers for what happened against the Browns in that wild call playoff match, and that's going to carry with them to the next year. So good luck with that, Steelers. Good luck. We feel your pain, but you deserved it. But – Earlier in that year, when they were undefeated, their defense was a problem. Their defensive line was a problem. And part of that problem was T.J. Watt. 
you know, being able to get to the quarterback and create havoc at the line of scrimmage. So I got to give it to T.J. Watt, man. I really do. This is a close one, but I'll take T.J. Watt. I'm on board with you, man. I mean, this young kid bringing the pressure that he brings on his defensive line and making it that much better. Another guy that you got to worry about on a star-studded pass rush. Um, just exceeded, uh, exceeded last year's statistics with the 15 sacks. And he's growing to become like his brother, J.J., and could be even better. I mean, he's a beast. So I'm going to have to go with TJ as well. And our huddle, our huddle um, viewers said that it was TJ Watt. 44.44% picked him as a defensive player of the year. And the next one that we have here, ladies and gentlemen, we are flying through these things like an airplane <laughs> in the sky. Coach of the year. Oh, baby. Our nominees are Kevin Skafansky, Brian Flores, Sean McDermott. And we also have, yeah, those are, those are our nominees. Those are our nominees those are right three. there. Those are our three. It's only three guys. You know, this was the <laughs> year of coaching, so I had to pause for a second to say, was, Yo, am I missing somebody? Because there was a lot of great coaches this year. So it those was are a our year three of guys. coaching. Kenny C, talk to me, man. Who do you think should be head, co- head coach of the year? I'm going to have to go with a guy who – you, me, Zach, and Cam picked weeks and weeks ago in the season, middle of this season, Brian Flores, the t- things that he's done with a team that was supposed to be in an alleged, quote, rebuild and made them a on-the-verge playoff team. And on all cylinders, defense was outstanding. Offense with Ryan Fitzpatrick coming up big and utilizing what they had around him. And then, obviously, the struggles with Tua coming in and out. But nonetheless – Flores has elevated his entire team um, and exceeded expectations. And for that reason, I mean, got to give the nod to the other two coaches because McDermott and Stefanski did a lot in their own right. So all these awards are hard to pick one guy, but I'm going to have to go with Flores. Uh, The thing about Flores, man, first of all, he's a great coach, hell of a coach. Shout out to my Brooklyn guy, man. Shout out to my Brooklyn guy from Brownsville. So, you know, me and that brother have, a connection because he's from Brooklyn, not too far from me. <laughs> but um, I didn't like the way how the Dolphins season ended. You know, say what you want. I know a lot of people like Brian Flores' style to gamble and to take out Tua when he's struggling and put Ryan Fitzpatrick in. But honestly, I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick should have been taken out because they were winning at that time and they started sputtering towards the end and they didn't make the playoffs. So I, I thought... Mm-hmm. That little sputter at the end cost him the award for me. I'm going to go Kevin Skafanski here. I think he should be head coach of the year. The Browns hadn't made the playoffs in over almost two decades, and they made it this year. Not only made it, they basically beat the Steelers behind to go on next week and play the Kansas City Chiefs tough. Should have won that mm-hmm. game, possibly, if you think about all the turnovers that happened at the end that cost them that game. You know, that that play when they was about to score and yeah. the guy died for the – I think it was Rashard Higgins died for the pylon and he fumbled. They could have won that game. I was very impressed. I thought Baker Mayfield looked more comfortable this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Kevin Skafansky called the game to open up to Baker Mayfield. You know, the short routes, get the ball out, get the ball out on slant routes to um, – this guy's name is, is Jarvis Landry. There we go. 
get the ball out and run the football. That is the most important thing as well. They run, they ran the football. Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, make the game more easier for your quarterback. I love what Kevin Skafanski did this year. Outside of what he did against the Jets, I thought that was a mess. But other than that blemish, I have to say it's Kevin Skafanski. Yeah, that that would have been my next my next pick. Just just based off of the premise of what he did with Baker. I mean, a guy that everybody was scrutinizing, you know, in his first three years, obviously his rookie season when he came in, he would looked promising, but then he had the sophomore slump and, and a lot of people were questioning his ability. Is this guy making too many commercials and not focuses on football? And Stefanski came in and showed all the haters up and really developed Baker and, and played to his skill set, like you said, the entire season. That would have been my and, second guy. And, and Leo, me. And he yeah. made me a uh, Baker Bro, Mayfield he believer. He made you a believer. Which anybody <laughs> that watched this show know that that was probably the least thing that could ever happen was me saying I like Baker Mayfield's heart and I like what he did in that playoff game. And I'm excited to see what he does next year. And what did our voters say, Leo? Who is the winner of this award? And our voters disagreed with me and agreed with Kenny C and gave the award to Coach Brian Flores with 38% of the votes. Very close. This was a very close one. And Kevin Skafanski came in second place. Just want to highlight that as well. So it was a close one. But Brian Flores is our head coach of the year. Nice. And uh, the next, next award that we have on here is the MVP of the league. Leo, our three uh, candidates for the award were Aaron Rodgers, 70.7 completion percentage, 4,299 yards, 48 touchdowns, five interceptions. Patty Mahomes, 66.3 completion percentage, 4,740 yards, eight, uh, 38 touchdowns, six interceptions. And Josh Allen, 69.2% completion percentage, 4,544 yards, 37 touchdowns, 10 picks. Leal, who is your MVP? I'm going to make you happy, um, Kenny C. I'm going to make you a happy <laughs> man tonight. I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers here. You know, um, look, when you think about Aaron Rodgers in the year that he had, it was spectacular. A guy that I didn't believe was going to have a great year. I, I thought that, um, you know, what I saw last year from the Packers was they lost three games, made it to the NFC Championship game, and got slaughtered by the 49ers. And I thought that the schedule – is what got them there, taking advantage of an easy schedule. So I wasn't a believer. And Aaron Rodgers was like, boy, shut your mouth. He came this year <laughs> and he balled out, bro. I can't say it from week one. From week one, he set the tone with that game that he had against the Vikings, just throwing that football field all up and down the field. Devontae Adams, he was in and out of the lineup. And, mm -hmm. you know, I just I, – I can't not give it to Aaron Rodgers. He had a spectacular year, unfortunately – they wasn't able to cap that off with a visit to the Super Bowl. But nevertheless, he's the MVP for me. Yeah, man, right aboard with you. I mean, I I could go back to, to my Twitter, man, in April after we dogged him in the draft, not getting a weapon, getting his successor, him, him sipping that scotch after he saw what happened on the draft board. I said it, man. I, I had a feeling he was going to be fueled, and he friggin' did it, man. He had an outstanding year. Like you said, set the tone from game one and never let his foot off the gas. Had probably, to me, in all my years of watching him, his best season since he won the award in, in 2014 or 2011. And just really, really wowed me for a 37-year-old guy to, to put up the stats that he did and take the leadership that he had 
with that second year squad as a whole in that LaFleur system and really in a, really excelling it. And our huddle viewers, our huddle listeners, our huddle followers said the same thing about Rogers winning the award with a 72.22% uh, victory. Yeah, well-deserved well deserved for Aaron Rodgers. And another thing, too, about Aaron Rodgers this year that I noticed is that I think that he bought in. You know, um, we know how I feel about Aaron Rodgers in the past. I think Aaron Rodgers has changed as far as just being more for his teammates. You know, before I used to look at him like a Jay Cutler, a diva. This year I seen him wiping his teammates' faces, you know, um, after a play was over and just being more calm and just more – showing the world that, look, I meditated this year. I got rid of, you know, some of the distractions in my life, just being a more calm and, co- and cool and collected person. And I think that's what transpired on the football field as well. Definitely. And our next uh, award here, Leo, final one, I believe, is? Yes, sir. So this is, a, this is an award that we came up with, everybody, because – we all know that MVP is a quarterback given award. Let's just mm-hmm. call it what it is. If it looks like a spade, damn it, it's a daggone spade. <laughs> so we wanted to give credit to all the players, no matter what position you are other than quarterback, that, look, we, we remember you here on the show. Maybe the media don't, but we remember all the hard work that you put in this year. So we want to make an award dedicated to you. This is our non-quarterback most valuable player. So by that title... There's no quarterbacks that are going to be nominated here because it's non-quarterback. So our nominees that we have here on this award is Derrick Henry, Stephon Diggs, Aaron Donald, and we also have Travis Kelsey. Those are our nominees. And Devontae Adams as well. Can you see? Talk to me. Lil, I took Henry for Offensive Player of the Year, so I'm not going to go there with him. Also wanted to give the nod to Aaron Donald for making it on multiple of our lists here with Defensive Player of the Year and the non-quarterback MVP. Um, but bias aside, just from seeing how this man's season transpired and what he did to opposing cornerbacks, I'm going to have to go with my guy Tay Adams. Um, in the 14 games that he played, because he missed uh, two or three, I think it was two with injury, guy bowled out 18 touchdowns, 1,374 yards, Um, He's probably got the best release off the snap, you know, best footwork I've seen in a long time. And um, you could say best in the league next to maybe Tyreek Hill, just his release off the snap. You know, he's going to do big things. He can make the cornerback look silly and he's not afraid to go with the number one. He said before that Rams game in the divisional, like Ramsey, bring it on. Like, I want you to follow me around the field. That's just the type of competitor that he is. The, the lion's heart that he has. And Tay Adams showed up to me and in a big way. Him and Rodgers look like arguably the best tandem in the league this year with the production that they put up. And uh, that's why I'm going to have to go with Tay Adams. I'm going to have to go with another wide receiver that's nominated on this list. I got to go with Stephon Diggs. To be honest with you, man, the reason why I'm going with Stephon Diggs here is because you think about that Bills team and where they were last year right, losing in that wild card match against the Texans. Who would have thought the Bills would have had the year that they had this year? Now, I know it didn't end in a perfect fashion, but by making that move for Stephon Diggs, that was the move of the offseason. That completely Mm -hmm. changed the course of this franchise because it gave 
it gave my guy, Josh Allen, a safety blanket to know mm-hmm. that you have a guy that he's going to be there. He's a great route runner. He's speedy, short routes, deep routes. It gave, it made, it elevated Josh Allen's performance this year because this was a guy that had accuracy issues, a guy that we touched on his mechanics a little bit, like it needed work. And I mm-hmm. think by acquiring Stephon Diggs, that, that shows you right there his value because he was able to elevate that whole team, that whole offense, leading the, the league in reception yards. And everybody knew he was going to get the ball, and he still couldn't stop him. Just that chemistry that developed between him and Josh Allen, just everything, just that move alone, it made the Bills a contender this year and going forward because even though they lost to the Chiefs this year, I do believe the Bills are a team that you got to look out for within the next mm-hmm. two or three years. They will. They possibly may make a trip to the Super Bowl at some point. Yeah, man, that, that move definitely for Diggs was definitely them saying, hey, like, we want to contend for a deep playoff run in a Super Bowl. I'd say that with the addition of how well their coaching staff was as a whole, as a cohesive unit, Dabble, McDermott, and Frazier, they did an outstanding job. Total team effort. Allen, like you said, stepped up huge. Another guy that silenced critics like Baker had an outstanding season as well. And uh, that's a good pick. And what did our fans decide? Well, our fans decided that we were both wrong. And they decided that Derrick Henry is the non-quarterback, most valuable player from the Himalaya, my brother. (laughs) It is Derrick Henry with 50% of the votes. Wow. King Henry, man. I mean, the guy rumbled. So the fans, I don't blame them for picking him. I mean, like... Like you and I said, every player in these categories was more than worthy of the award. It's just a matter of, of preference and uh, who you see is best fit for it. But and they first, go out that's, winners. that's our first awards, um, first in the huddle awards ever. And uh, we look to make this an annual thing, Leo. So just one more recap of who won these awards. Comeback player of the year goes to Alex Smith, offensive rookie of the Offensive Rookie of the Year, excuse me, goes to Justin Jefferson. Defensive Rookie of the Year goes to Chase Young. Offensive Player of the Year goes to Derrick Henry. Defensive Player of the Year goes to TJ Watt. Coach of the Year goes to my guy, Brian Flores. Most Valuable Player of the Year goes to Aaron Rodgers. Non-quarterback, Most Valuable Player from the Himalaya is King Henry Rumble in the Jungle. Yes, sir. And we will not skip a beat with keeping the entertainment for you guys next topic here Lil. we got the reactions to my guy brett Favre and his comments on deshaun watson's trade request Lil, give us some further insight on that all right as i pull up what my guy brett Favre said about deshaun watson's trade he basically said you get paid a ton of money to do a certain job and just do it and let the chips fall where they may Forbes said, I think we make too much money to voice an opinion, but I'm not saying he's wrong. Again, I think it's a different time, a different day, and it'd be interesting to see how the organization handles it. Man, this is an interesting remark because, like, it's almost like, ah, it's tough because it's almost like Favre, like, contradicts himself because he's saying – you know, like, just play football, you're getting paid all this money. But then at the end there, he says that, I, but I don't blame him. So it's like, 
are you on board with him wanting out or like, well, what's your true thoughts on this? Cause to me, it's interesting also because Brett Favre was the same guy that pulled sort of a diva move with green Bay in telling upper management in the off season that he wanted to go back to Missouri. And they said, no, you have to stay here for the off season training camps and whatnot. And he wanted to go back to Missouri and they said, well, if, well, if you go, then our new guy, we, we want to get him started and get him reps. And that was Aaron Rodgers. And then obviously that caused a whole rift in the franchise. Favre ends up getting dealt to the Jets and then does the diva move, the revenge move, and goes to the Vikings the year after and makes an NFC chip run. So Brett Favre, I mean, you in a way forced yourself out in a different situation. So I don't know, man. It's interesting. Yeah, this is the same guy that retired 15 times and left. <laughs> Literally. It was best for him, you know? And so, I love Favre. I love Favre, but come on now. I think Favre, I'm not saying what Favre said has no point to it. There's no mm -hmm. truth to what he said. There is a, a portion of truth to what he said. But once again, like Kyrie Irving with his statement that we went with the boycott that we talked about, you probably should have been the messenger, my brother, because you did what was best for you. <laughs> you played for the Vikings. You played for the Jets. You had to move at some point in your career. So you did what was best for you. So that's what Deshaun Watson is trying to do right now. And as far as I'm concerned, the Packers and the Texans are two different one organizations. They're two different organizations. The Packers have a history of championships, um, has a history of, you know, uh, good head coaches and good quarterbacks mm -hmm. and just a, a fan base that loves their team. The Texans, on the other hand, there's no story of winning. There's a head coach that traded away the top wide receiver because he didn't like him bringing his baby mama to the daggone stadium. He didn't like to see the kids. How you not for the kids, my brother? You got to love the kids, my brother. You know, so he wasn't for the kids. That's what happened there. The Texans had an owner that said racist comments, racist remarks. We're not going to let prisoners run the asylum. So Deshaun Watson is in a little bit of a different situation compared to you, Brad Favre. So if Deshaun Watson wants to leave, I think Deshaun Watson has that right. Now, granted, on the flip side, I do believe athletes could be a little bit um, spoiled because they do get all this money to throw a ball in the hoop, to throw a pigskin down the football field, and sometimes, you know, they want it all. Like, oh, I want to go here. I want to go there. When at the end of the day, brother, you should just be happy that you are making millions. But in this case, I understand Deshaun Watson's pain. That doesn't mean I do for everybody else. Yeah, man, for sure. I mean, I, I think you, you, you summed it up in a, in a very, very well-mannered way. Um, and the only way you could look at it, you know, in terms of, you know, you're making all this money is the sense that, you know, he – I think he's – top three in guaranteed money with the contract that he signed like just this past year. And um, it was dicey because it's like, you know, their organization is definitely a turmoil, turmoil filled organization. But then like, and at the same time you look at it as like, you know, he got his and he worried about his and he made sure he got, I, I'm going to get this guaranteed money, this guaranteed deal. And then I'm going to be out. <laughs> So it was I just mean, interesting to see side, how it like, played out. From the flip side, from the business side, and I'm taking myself out of Deshaun Watson's shoes, and I'm putting myself in the Texans organization's shoes. You signed that contract last year. And when Deshaun Watson signed that contract, 
I said to myself, brother, what are you doing, bro? Get out of there. Get out. Like the movie, yeah. get out. But he signed that contract. So if I'm the Texans, do I want to trade him? Like, you know, he don't. they don't have to trade him. Yeah. You know, they could keep finding the brother and taking it out of his paycheck. You know, I believe but, he has a no trade clause in his yeah he does he does in his contract so he so he would have to get that waived so he would have to get that waived so this look, is another big. one team though if he does leave can he see that I just thought about today that I think is an excellent fit low key underrated sleeper fit for Deshaun Watson is the Denver Broncos I like that fit mm. because they have a nice young wide receiving core over there with Cortland Sutton. And Jerry Judy reporting for duty. And also K.J. Hamlaw, the tight end, mm -hmm. Noah Fant, and a solid defense led by Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. The, the, that team right there, watch out. I like that team. for the That Washington. could be a sleeper for sure. And I'm definitely going to be interested to talk about where, where, if he goes anywhere, that whole situation when it pops back up and we get more insight onto where he's going to go, if he's going to go anywhere. But, Leo, to cap off our show, none other than the Super Bowl predictions. Super Bowl is this Sunday. We all know the teams, Kansas City Chiefs, Tampa Bay Bucks, Mahomes versus Brady. Really good team versus really good team. This one's going to be interesting. Leo, talk to me with your predictions. Woo-wee! Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> boy, oh, boy, Pat Mahomes Versus Tom Brady. If the world was ending because we are in a pandemic, what a way for the world to end. I would love this to be the last match if it was ever. Hopefully we see many more Super Bowls. But if we had to end today, what a way to go out, ladies and gentlemen. Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. Well, I would say this to start us off. The last meeting between these two beloved teams, Kansas City and Tampa Bay, I look at that game as a tale of two halves, right? Everybody mm -hmm. always talks about the Tyreek Hill day. That's what I'm going to call it. I'm going to call that day the Tyreek Hill day. That should be a holiday because he put up almost, what, 300 yards um, of wide receiving, especially in the first quarter. I don't know what made my guy, Ty Bowles, wake up one day and was like, I'm going to leave him one-on-one -on -one with Colton Davis. And I'm pretty sure he learned from that. And, of course, I do believe he learned from that because it showed in the second half the way how they were playing the Kansas City Chiefs. That's why I say this tale of two halves because they were up 20-0 to and only scored one more touchdown in that second half. And the Bucs haven't lost since that point. Obviously, the Kansas City Chiefs are who they are, a great team, offensively, spectacular team, a, a team that you – you know, you know how to beat them, but can you execute? Can you beat them? Can you be undisciplined? Because they have so much. You take away Tyreek Hill, okay, you got to worry about Travis Kelsey, who's arguably the best talent on that football team, and you also got Patrick Mahomes. So I do believe going forward, I think the Buccaneers, and Sean Payton has said this before um, a couple of days ago, when I believe it was um, the Keyshawn Vaughn, Keyshawn, and um, Jay Williams show on ESPN, yeah. he said, never underestimate a team that had to go on the road three times to get to this point. And when you think about not only on the road, going to Drew Brees' house and beating Drew Brees there, going to Aaron Rodgers, oh, my fault, Taylor Heineke. I didn't forget about you, brother. I didn't <laughs> forget about you. Going to, to the Washington football team and beating them and just to come back home and play the Super Bowl in their own backyard, I like the Bucs here. I'm going to keep it short because I do believe stylistically, realistically, that they can match up with Kansas City. That doesn't mean 
They could beat Kansas City. They have they still have to execute, but they do have the formula. They know how to get to the ball. They can create havoc at the line. Oh yeah, I forgot. Eric Fisher is going to be out um, on that offensive line. A starter who, when he's not playing, Patrick Mahomes is three and three. So they're going to be able to get to Mahomes like they did Aaron Rodgers last week because they lost Batiari. So I do believe they're going to cause havoc at the line of scrimmage, and that's where the game is going to be run. If you're going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, it's because you're dominating the line of scrimmage. That's something that Buffalo didn't do last week, and that's why they ran all over Buffalo. The Buccaneers are not that same team. I didn't even get to the offensive side of the ball. They have two running backs that can be more than capable of doing the job, and guess what? They had the X factor, which is the GOAT Tom Brady, and I'm just not going to bet against Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Yeah, um, I think there's a few things to look at here. Um, one thing, just to piggyback off what you said and not having Fisher, Mike Remmers, who's a, a vet left tackle from – he played on the Vikings and the Giants. He'll be taking over Fisher's spot. So that's one area of interest to me is the JPP versus Remmers battle and who can win that because they did move things around um, on that line, obviously, with the injury. Uh, another thing that I look at is the head coaches. I mean, you got you got Bruce Arians who – lives and dies by the risk it, no biscuit um, philosophy that he made up. And then you have on the other side, Andy Reed, who's a guy who's known to make bold play calls. So I think this game could very well come down to which guy makes the right gamble, which guy makes the wrong gamble and how that plays out with which guy is going to make the play call. That's like, wow, they actually did that and they pulled it off or wow, that actually screwed them over. That's, That's going to be point. an area of interest. That's a great point, Kenny. See, I just want to add to that point that you brought up and actually highlight your point because last week, both of them made gambles that won them the game. <laughs> or should I say the week before with Andy Reid yeah. in the divisional round when he went for it with a backup quarterback on fourth down. And mm-hmm. last week, I know you don't like to hear this, Kenny. See, but that Scotty Miller, Hail Mary oh, against boy. the Packers at halftime. Both guys know how to gamble. Yeah, man. And another point here, you know, like you like you were talking about in their first matchup, Tyreek Hill, the Bucs are going to have to do something to try to contain him because nobody this season's been able to really stop Tyreek Hill. I mean, look what he did to the Bills. Guy's got so much speed after he catches that pass, you better tackle him quick or he's gone. But another X factor that could be for the Chiefs is Travis Kelsey, guy that had the second most yards in the damn league as a tight end. And show that, look, like, I know there's George Kittle out there, but I'm the best tight end in the league. And he shows you – he just adds to that versatility that the Chiefs have on offense. Sammy Watkins will be back as well um, off of, I believe, he had, like, hamstring injury or whatever the case was. Um, but he'll be back, so that adds a little bit more potency. But the linebackers, with Kelsey getting a mismatch potentially – Levante David, he's really solid. He's a really solid coverage linebacker. Devin White, he's outstanding at rushing the quarterback, outstanding at getting pressure, outstanding at making tackles on running backs in the backfield. But that's where he lacks. So maybe you get a mismatch with Kelsey and Devin White's out there hung out to dry. Because this season he had the most catches. He allowed the most catches for the most receiving yards, second most yards after the catch, and second most touchdowns. So – that rook's got to beware of Travis Kelsey. I think it's going to be a war on both sides. I think Brady in that offense is going to come out slinging it as well. And I think this is going to be a high-ass scoring affair. But just for the simple premise of I rolled with the damn Chiefs since we made the picks in the beginning, 
saying, I think it's going to be Chiefs Saints, and I think the Chiefs are going to take it and, and um, go back to back. I also have money on the line in a playoff pool with the Chiefs. Um, so I'm going to have to go with Kansas City. Also based off the premise, Leal, as you and Zach, remember I constantly brought it up, they find some way to beat you, and they have a multitude of ways in doing it. So I do think it's going to be really close because when you got Brady, like you said, the king in the Super Bowl, IQ that he has, he's seen every defense. Steve Spagnuolo, that's another matchup. Steve Spagnuolo's seen this man before, played against this man before as the coordinator. He's going to have to dial up some special things to try to slow down Brady. But I think the Chiefs narrowly come away with it by a touchdown, 35-28. to 28. It's going to be a hell of a game. If I had to go with a score, I'm going to say Buccaneers 31-27. to 27. That's what I'm going to go. I'm going to go 31-27. to 27. I think it's going to be a good game, man. I can't wait. Um, I don't think this is a legacy game. I, I guess you could say that it is a, a legacy game. But I just yeah. want to highlight this real quickly here. Tom Brady has been doing this for over two decades. So for those people who said that Patrick Mahomes win, he's the GOAT. Y'all done lost your mind. Y'all done most have smoked the L last night because Tom Brady just getting to the Super Bowl isn't a, another accomplishment. Just making yeah. it to this game. Patty Mahomes, yeah. Patty Mahomes has to reach age 700 yeah. <laughs> before he could, before he could catch up. Cause Brady's, Brady's what, like 730 years old right now? <laughs> and he said he's going to play till he's 800 because he just literally said he's going to play a couple more years. So there's talks of that. And I know for all the Brady non-like, the Brady haters out haters. there, should I say, they're going to be up. I know they don't like to hear that. So they their main hope is that Patrick Mahomes beat Tom Brady. Uh, we'll see if that happens. I think Tom Brady's going to rise to the top. But Kenny C, before we go, man, what are your plans on Super Bowl Sunday, man? What's the meal? What's the what's on the oh, appetizer? I have to go with the classic, man. I'm definitely gonna help my mom chef up the wings. We got the um, we got the uh, what's it, the deep fryer or whatever. Yes, sir. We have that, so definitely gonna get some wings in there, man. Um, Tostitos and salsa. That's another classic. Gotta throw that in there. And as for dinner, I'm not even sure, I man. Usually the Super Bowl is like a bunch of appetizers. So I'm probably going to rock with that. What about you? Same thing, brother. You can't, you cannot underestimate the rings. And I know <laughs> vegans, I know the vegans out here watching our show probably clicked <laughs> off by now because they, they tight that we said rings. They're like, all right, this is where I lead the show. But man, oh man, you can't go wrong with them rings, especially the Buffalo wings oh, at yeah. this point in time. You got to add that Buffalo sauce, man. And I'm going to sit back, relax. I'm excited for the halftime show this year. I think this is the first year yeah, I, the I've been excited because the weekend, I believe, spent – I don't remember the exact number, but it was a, a, at least five, nine million. I think it was $5 million on his performance for the halftime wow. show. So he's probably going to come up with a lot of, a lot of you know, feet, you know, crazy stuff. Crazy, yeah. I just can't wait, you know. So he better not let me down because I'm actually looking forward to the halftime show. Oh, Whereas yeah. in the past, I was like, yeah, I'm going to use the bathroom. Now I'm being <laughs> there for 20 minutes to burn off these wings, and I'm going to come back for the second half. I'm actually going to sit there and watch the weekend perform. He's a good, talented guy. He knows how to sing, and he's a good artist. Yeah, man. Um, I'm definitely hyped for the Super Bowl, Super Bowl LV, and let's get it, man. We will be back Monday with or without our other two co-hosts. But the real Lil, we're always here and we're always ready to chop up football. Yes, sir. We're going to be back on Monday, like Kenny C just said. Recapping the Super Bowl 
hopefully is recapping Tom Brady, added to that <laughs> memorabilia, or it will be Patrick Mahomes. We'll see. We'll be back. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm your boy, Real Lil. Can you see? Yes, sir. Have a good one.